Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us today. Pastor Rander has challenged us with a life-changing question. How will we live after Christmas Day? The fact that we are able to hear today's message tells us that God has extended His grace to us in a new year and opportunity to live for Him on earth and ultimately with Him eternally in heaven. Will we do what we've always done? Or will we commit ourselves to consistently seek God, hear God, trust God, and obey God? The Bible instructs us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. Without Him, we can do nothing. With Him, nothing shall be impossible. We must be totally committed to Him, just as He is totally committed to us. He's given us another chance. What will we do with it? Have your Bible close by and have pen and paper handy. I was asked a college night dealing with college students last summer by a young man. And uh, he posed a question to me. It was a great question. Last summer, July, you know, we have college night twice a year, July and December. And uh, we just had it uh, a few weeks ago. But this was back in July. And he said, Pastor, uh, my, my family is a mil- military family. And um, I've traveled all over the world. And I've seen many religions. And uh, my mama told me that I can be open to all of them. Now, that wasn't good counsel, but that's what she said. And he said, what say you? <laughs> I said, that's a good question. Matter of fact, young man, you've asked probably the greatest question that ever be asked tonight. I said, when you look at all the other religions, it is a work-based uh, righteousness to merit favor with God. You understand? You, you know, if you go to Islam, you, to Islam, you got all these pillars and you got to go to Mecca and you got to do this and you got to do this number of things. And you got to do that. And you, if you're Mormon, you got to do this and that and that and that. And if you're Buddhist, you got to do if you're all these others. You, you have to work and do something to merit favor from God. So it's, it's what you do for God. But in Christianity, it, Christianity is not a religion. You listening, it is a, it is a relationship. Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm about to get happy. Excuse me now. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not what you do for God. It is what God has done for you through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because you are saved, you do for God. You don't work to be saved. You work because you what? Are saved. And therein is a tremendous, profound distinction. Once I said that in the spirit, there was such a tranquility and peace because the word of God rings true. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Your morality cannot save you. And, and you're the, it's hard to say, you got some unsaved folk that really act better than saved folk. I'd rather live by some unsaved ones. <laughs> At least they know how to respect your property. Some of them, not all of them. Now, some of them put graffiti on it. So. But, uh, but, but they, a lot of them won't. You, you got unsaved folk won't drink, won't cheat, won't run out on their wife. You got Christians doing that. 
Won't y'all say amen? You got some unsaved folk won't look at pornography and, and all the other stuff. They won't get on crack, but they lost. Amen. You say know the Lord and still kind of sniffing on the side. Still drinking your booze. You know what I really believe? I, oh, God, I'm going to take my time. The choir didn't sing today. Y'all were the choir. I believe the, the drinking of Christians is rivaling the, the drinking of those in the world. I got quite a goddamn. Oh, it's not a sin to drink. And, and it's rivaling. You start with one, then you got two, then you got a case, then you got two cases. Then little, little Johnny, five years old, he's, he get, get him a sip on the side. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 61.10. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. I love that verse. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me. Look, he, who is that he? That's a personal pronoun for whom? God. For God has clothed me in the garments of salvation. I love that verse. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. That's an awesome verse. Y'all need to underline that. I'm, I, now, you know, you, you show enough clothes when you've been covered with the garment of salvation and you're covered with the righteousness of God. You, listen, you, you looking good to God then. Now, you got, some, you got on some pretty clothes. Those are clothes that won't wear out. Termites can't eat up. You won't be half naked. And some of y'all in sin because you're getting out your clothes in the wrong places. Put your clothes on. God is watching you. <laughs> Don't take your clothes off anywhere. And if you clothed with the garments of salvation and you covered with the robe of righteousness, you don't undress yourself before folk you're not married to. Why y'all not saying amen? Am I talking French? <laughs> the, the Lord has shown us what is good from his word that we would know it and do it. According to scripture, what does God require of us? He, he says, oh, I've shown you, old man, what is good. And, and what is good according to the scripture? I want you to see in the scripture what's good from a good God who does only what? Good. Number one, what is good according to the scripture? It is good that we, number one, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Psalms 34, 13 through 16. It says, keep your tongue from evil. Now that's a big challenge right there. Oh. Keep your tongue from evil. I don't understand how we got two lips, up and lower, up and lower, teeth, and that tongue can get through all of that and still do damage. Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit, depart from evil and do good. 
seek peace and pursue it. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Do you know how many, how many of y'all are righteous and you know you're righteous? Now, if you're not righteous, you will give you a chance to get righteous. Don't, not, listen, if you know you're righteous with, I mean, you're, you're right standing with God and you save and you're clothed with the righteousness of God, don't be ashamed to raise your hand. If you know you're saved and you know it, show some sign, raise your hand. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something. God is watching you and he's listening to you. You know why you can do some of the things you do and say some of the things you say? You forget that God doesn't have on blinders. God hears all that ugly stuff and he sees that ugly stuff, you see. And so the scripture says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Let me tell you something. When God gets done with those who are evil and when he gets tired of their stuff, he can get rid of them so good that you can't even remember that you knew them. Now, you know that's getting rid of them. You say, now, who's that? I, 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 I can't. You can't. God won't even let you remember. Just, just wipe them out. Wipe them out. That's good according to the scripture. Number two, it is good to be near God and tell of his deeds. It is good to be what? Near God and tell of his deeds. Psalm 73, 28 says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. You know what? My, you know what refuge is? My sanctuary. My, my, my place, my, uh, my place of safety. Uh, I have made the Lord, you see, I have made the Lord, the sovereign Lord, my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Now, you know what? It is too dangerous. Satan is too busy for us to not be near God. When one is near God, he talks more about the goodness of God. That's a sign that you're near God. He talks more about the goodness of God. His conversation are Christ-centered and not self-centered when you are near God. It's not talking about what you've done, where you've been, and you, 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 me, me, you. Oh, be quiet. The closer you get to God, the more you want to talk about who he is and what he's done for you. Number three, what is good according to the scripture? What is good according to the scripture? Number three, walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. Walk in the way of what? Goodness and keep to the path of righteousness. That's good according to the scripture. And the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the path of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. You have to walk in the way of goodness and let him lead you in the path of righteousness. That's why some young folk don't live long. They veer from the path. Dying before before they get to what God wants them to get and be what God wants them to be. Uh, God preserve those who walk in the way of goodness and keep to the path of righteousness. But the wicked are cut off and uprooted from the earth. God knows how to kill you. I'm going to tell you something. When you know the Lord and you know him and you know he knows you and you keep getting out in left field and beside yourself, 
and you keep making a mess in the body of Christ and being rebellious and hellish, you know what? Before you do that much damage to the body of Christ and the testimony of our Lord, you know, God knows how to take you out of here. Amen. And then he say, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. <laughs> you know, you, in, you got some folk in Christ, but they're not living up to, to who they are. And God said, you know what? You're a detriment. I got to take you out. You, you misleading too many folk. You're hurting too many folk. Come on. Come on home before time. Come on. You get out of there. You don't belong down no more. You, you, you're too messy. And that's bad. Number four, what is good according to the scripture? Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your, your power, when it's in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. That's evil. If it's in your power to do good, then what God expects you to do what? If it's within your power to help, then God wants you to help. If it's within your power to be a blessing, God wants you to be a blessing. God wants you to be a blessing. Withhold what is good. Somebody has worked for you, done some work for you, uh, uh, then pay them and on time. Amen. And uh, you loan somebody some money, they don't pay you back, don't kill them. Pray for them. You might have to go and release them for the sake of the relationship. Tell them, hey, stop hiding. It's okay. I, uh, you, you, you forgiven. So you can have peace and that man can too. Number five, what is good according to scripture? It is a good, good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Psalms 92, 1a says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. You see, it is the will of God for his children to give thanks in everything. That's, that's, that's the will of God. First Thessalonians 5, 18 says that in everything give thanks for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I got something to say. The sin of ingratitude hinders the blessings of God. It, the, the kingdom, it hinders kingdom opportunities and creates a greater opportunity for Satan to work in our lives. When you are ungrateful, the sin of ingratitude. Why? It hinders kingdom opportunities. God doesn't give you what you could have. And you create opportunities for Satan to take advantage of you because of your ingratitude to work in your life. I'll tell you something else. We're victorious over the calamities of life when we have a kingdom perspective. You realize how many of y'all had some calamities and some trials and some things beyond your control that happened to you? Let me see your hands. Ooh, look, hold them high. Hold, hold them kingdom high. I'm going to tell you something. It's a powerful point. You need to write it down. We are victorious over the calamities that intrude in our lives when we have a kingdom perspective about the issues that intrude. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together, what? For good. Not that all things are good, but they work together for your good and my good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
to be able to see God moving. God will let you in on some things through that crisis. God will increase your testimony through that crisis. In, in the midst of a bad economy, God will show you how he can keep you in spite of and still position you for greater blessing. God ain't scratching his head wondering about how America's going to make it. He's God all by himself. I was talking to one pastor the other day and he said, man, I had a whole lot of folk and watch me. Uh, pastor friend of mine on the east side, he said, man, I had more than I ever had. I said, you know what, man? I had more than I ever had. I said, the house, I mean, it was a lot of folk. I never seen that many folk and watch me. I mean, we had good crowds, but last, last New Year's Eve was some crowd. And, and you know what the pastor said? He said, sometimes God has to squeeze our pocketbooks to get us to church and to turn us back to God. Mess with them 401ks and stocks and mutual funds and, 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 and cause you to be unstable and a little erratic. And all of a sudden you come to church, oh God. He says, thank you. That's what I've been waiting on. <laughs> oh God, I'm almost done. The height of ingratitude is to know that Jesus suffered, bled, and died on the cross that he rose from the dead and is coming back to receive you into heaven only to see you fail to return thanks by coming to take the Lord's supper as our Lord commands. And you can't come take it because you take comfort in your excuses. You take comfort in your personal pleasure. Uh, and, and, and all of that takes priority over holy sacraments. Unless you have to work Unless you are sick or out of town or something beyond your control with a child or something, holy communion must be a priority. The height of, of ingratitude is to have Jesus do what you can do for yourself and you can come back this evening and say thank you around the Lord's table. Won't y'all say amen? And some of you all didn't come to communion at all last year. And, and it did, wasn't even convicted. Some of you came two times and, and was proud of yourself. Some of you came five times and said, some of y'all came sick. Well, at least I was half there. No, the Bible says this do in remembrance of me. And also if you fail to do, God chastens those he loves. Uh, number six, it is good to sacrifice a free will offering and praise, uh, uh, praise your name. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise your name, the Lord's name. It is good to sacrifice a free will offering and praise the name of the Lord. Uh, Psalms 54, 6 says, I will sacrifice, underline sacrifice, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, O God, for it is good. Now, we don't mind, many don't mind praying. Many don't mind a good sermon. But then when it comes to giving, listen, you hollering and screaming and dancing and falling all over the floor. And then when the offering bag passed, you choke. You have a spiritual choke and you get spiritual persitis. You know what spiritual persitis is? It's when you got to, to take it out, open it. You need 
you need some medicine because you have a severe case of spiritual persitis. How do you rob God who got you here? You see, here's a big thought. Giving God a sacrificial offering gives substance to our praise. That's a, you get, did, you get, did you get that? Giving God a what kind of offering? A sacrifice. I'm talking about pennies, a dollar, a quarter. I'm talking about giving sacrificially, tithes and offerings and above, gives substance to your praise. I, I, the word of God says, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I just happen to have a little something and I just pull it out for convenience sake. What if God just happened to let you breathe now and then for convenience sake? What do you say? You know what? Every other day I let you swallow. Once a month I let you uh, drink some water. <laughs> uh, you know what? I won't let you sleep. I'm going to deprive you of your sleep and maybe once a month I will let you get a good night's sleep. I'm going to fix it so medicine can't even make you sleepy. You see, God knows how. What I'm saying is that we need to stop shouting if there's no substance. Won't y'all say amen? Number seven. It is good for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity. Psalms 133.1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, says Psalms 133.1. It is good when brothers and sisters in Christ, we can dwell together in the unity of the Spirit. Unity is a sure sign that the presence of God is among his people. And that's what I love about this church. This church has had a tremendous sense of peace and unity. And that's how God has allowed us to accomplish so much in such a short period of time because we're not knick-knacking and fighting and cussing and fussing over every little thing. We're not devouring one another. We come in here and we not only, we, we are Christians and we operate in the unity of the spirit. Won't you say amen? I mean, unity. That's how, we get, that's how that building is getting up over there. It's unity. All the missionaries we support around the world. Unity. Preaching preaching to five million folk in Uganda every week. Unity. When you got division, you can't impact the world with the gospel. You know, so unity is a sure sign that the presence of God is among his people, which brings life. Life. I ask people all the time, why did you join here? They say, because this church has life. Look at all the youth that are here. Even the old folk know how to move. I wish you could have seen New Year's Eve service. All the choirs up here singing that same song, Sanctuary. And I saw the cherubim. The Lord just arrested my attention. You know, the cherubim, a lot of times they sit over here. And doing that stuff, all these folk were cutting loose up here. And it was about 50 of them. They were just dancing and jumping and turning and flipping. And I just saw the joy of the Lord. God has ordained praise out of those kids. God God used children to show old folk how to praise. This church, you know, when, when there's unity, the church has life, vitality. It has hope and joy to those who worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, number eight, 
It is good. What's good according to the scripture? It is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant. Psalms 147 1 says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. Say that. Praise is beautiful. Say it again. Praise is beautiful. Let me tell you something about singing. Singing praises to the Lord breaks depression and revives the spirit. I'm trying to help you because some of y'all were too depressed. Some of y'all barely making it emotionally. Some of y'all was emotionally distraught. And you know what's wrong? You're not going to get depression uh, move listening to Snoop Daddy. Donkey, whatever he is. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You, 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 listen, I'm going to make up me something. Listen to, to Kool-Aid. I'm making up names because I don't know what they call. 50 cents, popsicle, whatever they call. <laughs> Shaking your booty is not going to lift no depression. Papa may have a brand new bag, but he can't live depression. <laughs> Singing praises to the Lord breaks depression and revives the spirit. Oh, my little grandson Joshua. I saw him the other day, and he oh, he they trying to wean wean him off of breast milk, and he don't want he want the real milk. He don't want he he been drinking that breast milk so long till he just oh, my wife was trying to get the formula in him now, trying to, everybody was gone. I saw over there just in the chair, just trying to ride, and he was just, oh, oh, just swinging, just, oh, he was going to town. I don't want it. If he could talk, five months old, he can't talk. <laughs> I don't want it. But I just started making up a song at a distance. Joshua, 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 Joshua. He turned his head and looked. It's something about singing to babies. And to, mamas, when is the last time you sang to your child? I'm going to tell you something, parents. Your children may, may be grown. They need singing to, too. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.